Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. And this is a really special one. We get to talk with Todd Simon. He's the chairman and chief executive officer of Omaha Steaks. Get a focus on a national brand today, something that has really made a footprint in the entire industry of food. Todd, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. So I think everyone who's listening to this is probably pretty familiar with Omaha Steaks, but I don't know if they know the background all that well. Um, Omaha Steaks actually started as a small-scale butcher shop in downtown Omaha in 1917, and a century later, it's grown into an international company that's recognized as one of the leaders in grilled meats. When you look back at the progression and the five generations of your family that has worked at Omaha Steaks, what is the through line that has allowed the company to be so successful? Well, you're right about um, about the five generation history. We, um, you know, Omaha Steaks was founded by my great great grandfather in 1917, and actually, even before we were a butcher shop, he was a meat cart, and he went around from grocery store to restaurant, kind of you know, custom cutting you know large pieces of of meat into smaller pieces of meat, so that the restaurants and grocery stores could cut them into even smaller pieces of meat. And um, in night, and then we moved into our own facility and actually started a sort of a really formal food service operation, um, you know, in the early twenties. And then, you know, we've just, we've grown from there. And I would say that the through line um, is quality. I think that from, from the very beginning, you know, my great, great grandfather to my great grandfather to my grandfather to my, to my dad and my, his brothers, you know, the, the absolute, you know, un, non-negotiable, um, a standard for the business was always having the highest quality products and always uh, doing the very, very highest quality customer service. And so quality running through that, I think, is what's gotten us to this point. How do you find the high- highest quality products? Well, the great thing about Omaha Steaks is that we're in Omaha. And, um, you know, for many years, you know, Omaha was, you know, the center of beef commerce uh, in the country. And, you know, with the stockyards downtown and, um, and with so much attention on Omaha, you know, my, my great grandfather, my grandfather had a chance to build, you know, really strong relationships with, um, with suppliers. And that continued through to uh, my parents and, and, and my cousin Bruce, when he was the head meat buyer of developing really strong relationships with, um, with our vendors so that we got the first look at the very best beef in the country, and we still do today. Now, it's it's one thing for, you know, you mentioned your great-grandfather, you know, selling meats on a cart and then opening up the, the first shop. For him to find quality meats and, and examine every animal mm. and everything, that, that's one thing. But when you scale it up and you've got an international company that, that ships all over the world that has, you know, j- just its fingers everywhere, how do you maintain that quality as things just grow exponentially? Well, um, you know, the first thing is to, again, you know, buy the very, very best, um, you know, beef we can buy that's going to be, that's going to deserve to be called Omaha Steaks. Um, And then from, but we know that, you know, at the scale that we're buying, you know, we can't inspect at the time we buy it, every single, you know, cut that comes into uh, one of our, uh, our cutting facilities. So, you know, we have skilled master butchers skilled people on the packaging lines, um, skilled people helping to move the beef from, 
you know, point A to point B and skilled people and quality assurance when we receive the product. And at every step of the way, we are inspecting and we've empowered our team to look at the product from the eyes of the customer every single time. So, you know, if a, if a steak cutter pulls a tenderloin uh, off the line and doesn't like the way it looks, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't cut it. Um, if he cu- starts cutting steaks and he, and he or she starts cutting steaks and they don't like, and they don't like what's going on, you know, in that particular piece of meat, they have, they are empowered to, you know, push that off to the side and, and start over. And, and then uh, if a person on uh, one of our packaging lines, when we're vacuum sealing uh, the product, you know, takes a look at, at it as they're putting it into the machine and says, you know what, I don't think, I don't like the shape of this steak. I don't like the marbling. It looks too dark. It looks too light. It looks like it's been compromised in some way. Then they have the power to set that aside. And so, you know, we, we're viewing um, every single person along the process as a quality inspector. Um, and then of course we've got USDA inspectors on site as well. So all of that, you know, contributes to making sure that, you know, we have a quality product. And we've always said, you know, we used to, uh, uh, on the inside of our food service box, it used to say, remember, our customer is the next inspector. And um, that's good. And that's really true. So we want to make sure that we're doing a better job inspecting the, inspecting our products so our customers don't have to. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of customers, I found a quote um, from <laughs> you from a couple of years ago that I, I wanted to ask you about. And it said, we believe our competitive advantage at Omaha Steaks comes from the fact that we own the customer experience from start to finish. I, you might have just addressed that a little bit in your last answer, but can you unpack that quote for me a little bit more? Yeah, sure. That actually refers to the um, to more of the, well, it, it, it does refer to really the whole process, but it starts with um, how we talk to a customer through our marketing, you know, the way we present information on our website, the way we reach the customer and the way we position the product. So we, we set the right expectation. We show them beautiful mouthwatering photography and, um, and we give them, and we show them a value that, um, that they can't turn down. And then we, uh, we take our own orders. So we, we've developed our own software for, you know, for, um, for managing that CRM, the customer relationship. We, um, when you, when you call Omaha Steaks, you get an Omaha Steaks uh, employee on the phone um, when you, when you go to our website, we've actually, we actually have built and maintain our website. Uh, now we've gotten lots of help over the years with great designers and user interface people, both on our team and as consultants, but you know, we, we, um, you know, we, we build that out so we don't outsource that. Um, and then when it comes to the, obviously the steaks, you know, we, you know, we produce all those steaks ourselves from the very best raw material as we just talked about. And then, and then not only, not only do we, um, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. Once we have received the raw material, then we naturally age it for, you know, 20 to 30, sometimes even longer than that days. Um, and that adds flavor and tenderness. Then we hand trim it. Then we vacuum seal it. And, you know, every step of the way, you know, as I mentioned, we've got the chance to inspect the product and make sure it's great for our customer. Um, then we flash freeze it. Um, and again, we're doing all this ourselves. We box it, we package it. And then, and then it goes to the distribution center and we actually do that ourselves. So we have our own, you know, we have our own team. We have, have specified and designed our own packaging uh, to make sure that the product is always um, getting to our customers safely and, uh, and with high integrity. And, um, and then if you have a problem with your order and the rare instances where someone has a problem with their order, if you call our customer service department, you're going to get, again, an Omaha Steaks team member who knows that product, who knows who's been, who's able to look you up in the system and be able to make it up, you know, a painless experience to resolve your, 
your issues. So, you know, that's the end to end, you know, think everything from marketing to, you know, to uh, problem resolution, distribution, you know, we own that from start to finish. We don't outsource it. It also allows us, by the way, to be, uh, I believe, very efficient. I think that we're, I think that we do frozen food direct to consumer at, you know, absolutely as efficiently as it can be done in the industry. Mm-hmm. Now, pardon my ignorance with this next question, but I am not a butcher. I've never butchered anything. Um, but I'm very curious, like you guys are continuously coming out with new products. For example, uh, a new product right now is a butcher's cut New York strip, which I got a chance to have last week. It was excellent. It was very, very good. How do you continue to find new cuts on these animals? Or how do you continue to come up with new products on, on animals that, you know, we've, we've had for so long? Yeah, that's a good question. I think <clears throat> what we've pushed our team to do is to innovate around, you know, our core uh, products because we know that people come to us to buy steaks and, um, and people are, are looking, you know, there's a level of connoisseurship around steaks and our customers are looking to us to be a leader in providing, you know, innovative um, steaks. And so, um, when we do, when we're talking about something like, as an example, our butcher cut line, which of which we have a butcher's cut top sirloin, we have a butcher cut filet mignon, a butcher cut strip, I believe a butcher cut chicken breast now, probably be coming out with a butcher cut uh, pork chop if we haven't already. And what we're doing there is we've, we're, we're making sure that we, um, that the product is trimmed um, to a new specification. Okay. Um, in the case of the steaks, they're aged longer. Um, that we're, we're segregating and making sure that the raw material that's going into those steaks is, is just, you know, just maybe that much more consistent. It's hard to talk about it because it's like, we're, we already feel like we're doing the best. And then we're like taking the best and we're making a little better. And if you go to our private reserve line, we're taking that little bit better and making it even better. Um, and so, um, it's kind of like, you know, I, I liken it to like, um, a BMW analogy, you know, there's the BMW, you know, there's the five series, the six series and the seven series. They're all great. <laughs> that's cars. Perfect. Yeah. They serve yeah. different, they serve different needs for different customers. And that's what we've done uh, with our steaks, with our gourmet, our butcher cut and our, um, and our private reserve. I love the analogy. Um, I want to get into your background a little bit. Uh, what was it like for you growing up in the world of Omaha steaks? Yeah. So, um, you know, my, uh, my dad and his two brothers are the ones that really took the business to, they, they, they positioned the business to a point where my cousin and I could really take it to the next level. And we've got a lot to be thankful for from the fourth generation. Um, and I think that what we, what we did was, you know, we really grew up in a family business um, where, you know, the conversation around dinner you know, was what's going on in the business. The conversation at Thanksgiving dinner was what's going on in the business. You know, I remember going to my grandfather's house when I was a kid and it was all about the business. I remember going to the office a lot with my dad, um, whether it was over to our plant, we were building, I was, I was three years old when we completed our, um, our 90, our, the first iteration of our 96th street facility. Um, and I, you know, I remember going there when I was a kid, I remember riding on my dad's shoulders, you know, around the construction site and there's, and I remember that especially well, cause there's photographs of it that I've seen. Um, and so I think, you know, it's, it, it was always, it was always an ever present force in the family and in our psyche. 
for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, I read that you started at age 10 folding boxes for two cents a piece. So this was, you know, very much a part of your (laughs) career path even early on. Was there any desire on your part to to get out and do your own thing or or because Omaha Steaks, like you said, was so synonymous with just everyday life, it just felt natural to kind of move into that? Um, so on that boxes for two cents a piece, um, that was a that was a really fun job. I wanted I was 10 years old and I wanted a CB radio and it was going to cost like two hundred dollars. And my dad said my dad said, well, if you can. And then the, and there was like installation. I think the whole thing was going to be $400. My dad said, if you could earn $200, I'll kick in the other $200. And so, and then he gave me the job of making boxes. So that was an awful lot of boxes at two cents a piece <laughs> to, get to, to get up to $200, but I did it. Um, and um, it, did I think about doing anything else? I, I think I did, but you know, I, I went to, I went to the university of Pennsylvania, which is the same school that my dad went to and a number of other, my family members in the fourth and fifth generation attended Penn. And, um, and I found myself uh, at the end of my undergraduate time um, saying to myself, well, I'm not sure if I want to go into the business, but also not having really taken any concrete actions to do anything else. So I hadn't prepared a resume or gone for job interviews or applied to grad school or anything like that. So, you know, I, I, I sort of took that as a sign to myself that I was, that I, you know, I was at least going to try uh, coming into the family business. And that's how I positioned it with my dad. I said, you know, I'd like to give it a try and see if it's for me. And he said, that's great. And if, you know, give it a couple of years and if it doesn't work out, you know, then we can revisit you know, you can go to grad school or, you know, or something else. And so that's what I did. And it, you know, sort of the rest is history. Mm -hmm. I found another quote by you. It said, they designed a two-year training program where we joked I was doing every job for 15 minutes to learn the business, thinking at some point an opportunity would present itself and feel right. And I'd move into that part of the business. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What, what was that like for you? Well, the family tradition um, really what ha- has ha- what had happened and you know it was obviously less formal um, was that each of the family members sort of found their own niche and so in the fourth generation you know my grandfather was primarily doing uh, you know uh, food service business and locally and some some nationally and a little bit internationally and um, and when my Uncle Alan came into the business, you know, he sort of found a place in more on the operations, purchasing, manufacturing side of the business. And then my dad came into the business next and he was the one who said, um, maybe we can, maybe we can scale up this direct to consumer thing. So he, that was kind of his, his niche. My uncle Steve came into the business and he took over um, local and national food service sales. So they all had their place in the business. And then, um, and then when my, uh, my cousin came into the business before me. He uh, and he sort of found his way kind of into his father's footsteps of more on the production, purchasing side, operation side of the business. And um, and when I came into the business, I sort of had the benefit of what happened with my cousin. And the business was bigger then, and we had more. We had a bigger team. So you know, none of the of the four owners at the time, my dad, his two brothers, and my cousin, none of them felt like that it should be a foregone conclusion where I would end up and that it would also be potentially disruptive to our professional staff to just stick a family member in their department and say, here you go. So, um, 
it would be better for, for me and better for the team for me to determine what I was good at, to find what my skill set was, and to build some credibility and a reputation within the company before we move me into a permanent position. So that's what I did. And that, that was the joke, every job for 15 minutes. But it also gave me a chance to really learn the business from the bottom up to really understand all the different aspects of it, whether it be HR or production or purchasing or marketing or retail or sales or call center, everything that we were doing, uh, IT. So, um, so that was, it was super beneficial. And I would say I would, that would be advice that I would give any uh, family business who's bringing someone in is really find a, uh, a way to orient that person to the business and orient the business to that person. Um, otherwise you're kind of, you're doing them a disservice. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as you advance in the company and you move into a leadership role, how do you strike that balance between saying Omaha Steaks is a very established thing? There's a lot of tradition behind it, but at the same time, I would imagine that there's, there's a desire to kind of put your finger to your, your, your fingerprints on it as well. And kind of, you know, um, do some things, you know, some ideas that you've had that would make it unique, maybe advance the company moving forward. How do you find that balance between holding on to what has made the company so strong and so successful and integrating some new processes or ideas that you have? Well, I, I'm not sure it was so much about me and me wanting to put my imprint on it. I think it was really about, because by the time, you know, by the time I got into, my first leadership role was running our small group of retail stores. We had about 25 or something at the time. And, um, and so, you know, I had, that was really interesting because it was kind of a general management experience. I mean, when you're running a retail store, you're not just selling something. It's not just marketing. You've got personnel, you've got locations, you've got build outs, you've got freezers to maintain, you've got, you know, so it's an operations and a sales and marketing job. And so that was really great. I got a lot of good experience there. Um, and you know, we learned how to innovate there. We learned how to pick, pick locations. We learned how to manage remote staff. We learned how to keep inventory stocks, you know, those, all those kinds of things. So that was great. Um, and then, and then, um, in 1994, 95, I took over all of our consumer businesses and consolidated retail within that. So it was just one consumer direct department. And I would say that the, it was less about me putting my imprint on it and more about uh, encouraging our team to innovate, to take risks, um, to, you know, expand our product line and, and really providing, trying to f- provide some sort of, um, coalescing consensus around what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. Mm-hmm. So one example of that might've been, you know, I remember in, in the, in the late nineties, I was not happy with our process around packaging package design. We, it seemed that we had developed a lot of different package formats and everything was kind of different and we hadn't put much thought into it. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was me who said, Hey, you know, why don't we find, have a more cohesive, you know, view of, and a global view about how our packaging looks, you know, how do we go about doing that? And then working with our team and maybe some consultants to figure out how to do that. So I think it was just kind of continuous improvement, hitting singles and doubles and encouraging the team to do that. And, 
and less again less about my imprint my i wanted my legacy to be and still is that you know we grew the business we expanded our customer base we made a lot of people happy a lot of people had amazing dinners at home and grilling experiences with them hot steaks that's that's what turns me on gotcha now earlier you went into great detail talking about the the quality process how you ensure quality at every step um that i think is something that's very unique to omaha steaks especially a company that has grown to be so large and working with the volume that you are, you guys, I'm sure that, you know, at a lot of companies like that, there's, there's a, a, a tendency to maybe get a little fat and happy off your success and maybe standards start to slip a little bit, but it definitely seems that hasn't happened at Omaha Steaks. How do you maintain a hungry culture despite having just massive success? Well, um, that's a good question. I mean, I think the first thing to realize is that, um, you know, there's a lot of people at the company. I mean, the, I always like to say one of the reasons we've we've stuck together as a family business for five generations is because we didn't have a lot of success until the fourth generation. And um, there's actually plenty of people who work at Omaha Steaks today who have had experience with or were hired by or worked with the fourth generation in the business. And so, you know, they understand that, um, you know, that, that, that success is hard won and that it's, and that it's elusive and that we can, um, uh, and if, if we just kind of sit around and expect it to happen, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I haven't, I would, I would, I, um, I appreciate your characterization. I would say that the reality is that, you know, the business has had its ups and downs and, um, and fortunately way more ups than downs, but every down is an opportunity to learn, to get in, to get encouraged, to learn from any mistakes that we made and to, and to, and to not at least not make that same mistake the next time around. Mm -hmm. Now I apologize in advance of this next question, cause I'm sure you've been asked it a million times. You're probably sick of hearing it, but I'm going to ask it anyway, cause I'm interested has there ever been any thought to opening an Omaha Steaks restaurant? That is a good question. Um, so there actually are, or there were, um, maybe three kind of licensed Omaha Steakhouses around the country. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and they were called Omaha Steakhouse. And um, I know there was one in Orlando. There was one in Dallas. There was one in Phoenix. Um, and uh, And I think that what it really comes down to is, you know, for us, you know, we're not in the restaurant business, and um, and that's a really different skill set than what we've managed to build over the hundred year history of the business. Right. And we have a ton of respect for people who can be in the restaurant business because it's a, it's a not an easy business to be in and requires a lot of attention to detail. And so um, so we, you know, if we were to be in the restaurant business, it would likely be with a partner who's a really strong restaurant operator, it would not be us going into the restaurant business. Oh, I understand. All right, as we wind down here, I got a couple more questions for you. And I, I wanna give you an opportunity here. Is there anything that you, any misconception that you commonly hear about Omaha Steaks? Like when someone's talking about it and you hear it and you're just like, man, that that's just not true. Is there anything along those lines that you consistently hear that you wanna set the record straight on? Yeah, I'm going to set the record. I'm going to, and I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth while I do it. One of the big misconceptions is that we're a gift business. 
Um, and we are a gift business. We do a lot of gifts. In fact, uh, with Father's Day coming up, there's a lot of people around the country who use Omaha Steaks as gifts for dad. Mm-hmm. And we've got great stuff on the website for that right now. And so seasonally, we are a gift business. But the vast majority of Omaha Steaks customers buy Omaha Steaks to cook for themselves at home, to contribute to their own uh, meal planning uh, and their own great dinners and grill outs and cookouts at home. And so, um, you know, when people say, well, some people have said, you know, we're a business gift or something like that. It's like we are, but that's not all we are. And in fact, it's a relatively small part of what we are, although we're very, very proud that we can be that people will use us as a gift. and let's see, the other thing might be um, years ago, I went to some focus groups. And one of the things um, is that there's a lot of people that don't realize the huge variety of things that we sell. So they hear Omaha steaks and they think all you sell is steaks or burgers. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Like I said, we're one of the largest direct to consumer sellers of seafood, poultry, um, pork, appetizers, desserts, meals, dessert. Uh, I said desserts. Um, uh, you know, soups, we've got, you know, I mean, you know, and we've just got a, a huge variety of, of things. And so, you know, one of the things I, I, I am humbled by is that our customers have trusted us not just for steaks, but for delivering high quality frozen foods, no matter what their preferences are. Mm-hmm. And that's something that struck me as I went through the Omaha Steaks website, really doing a deep dive for this is there are just so many products that I would have never associated with Omaha Steaks if I if I hadn't um, you know committed to going on the website and looking and it, there's just this cornucopia of good stuff. How do you combat that as a as a marketing team? Like obviously you don't want to change the name and you want to maintain that you're known for steaks because steaks is what the company's built on. But you have great chicken, you have great seafood, you have great desserts. Those apple tartlets are. Very, very good. How do you how do you get the word out more and help people understand that steaks aren't all Omaha steaks is? You know, I mean that that's a, a constant challenge. I will tell you that um, you know once somebody engages with us and makes their you know first purchase, and you know al- almost always we're going to be offering them steaks or some you know package that includes steaks and other things. So the first thing is that package will include steaks. It might include chicken breasts and desserts, and so that gives. Are the consumer that's engaging with us a chance to try a variety on day one and then come back and, you know, and, and purchase those products again is of course our hope. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, and then our, of course our marketing reflects that as well. Um, you know, a lot of business today is done online. So you can, you know, your search result, you know, we can, you know, we do a lot with making sure that, you know, you might be, if somebody searches for, you know, buy frozen chicken, you know, Omaha steaks is, you know, likely will likely show up or show up sometimes. And so, you know, all of those, um, all of those techniques are, you know, available to us today. Um, but I think the proof is, you know, getting our existing customers to expand their menu with us. And we, we work very hard to do that. Um, in as you know, through as many channels as we can. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a challenge and it's a, it's a process, but you're getting there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, Last question to get you out of here. I'm sure you are very proud to be a part of Omaha Steaks. What what is your favorite part of being a member and a a huge part of this company? Well, I think there's there's two things, and and it really it it really um, uh, rests on you know the two most important groups to the company. The first is our customers. So you know it just it 
it makes, it's an honor and it's humbling to be able to play a part in people getting together. And our mission is um, that we uh, deliver exceptional experiences that bring people together, guaranteed. And so you'll notice that our mission doesn't talk about steaks or even food. What it talks about is that, you know, we know that this cultural phenomenon of getting together around the table, breaking bread together, having a great meal, you know, is just so ingrained in, in America and so ingrained in humanity that, um, you know, to be able to play there and to help our customers, you know, make that great, you know, that is just, that's awesome. And that's, you know, why I get up in the morning every day. And then, you know, the second reason is our employee team. I mean, we, you know, we have close to 2000 full-time team members uh, in Omaha and around the country. You know, we, that, that swells almost doubles, if not more during the holiday season when we are shipping uh, gifts at Christmas time. And, um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, we can provide um, a living and, um, you know, uh, and a, and a, and a trade and uh, inspiration uh, to so many, uh, you know, hardworking, creative people um, that that in, that we can support them, that I can support them, so that they can support our customers is, you know, also another, you know, amazing gift that I'm given every day. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to let you run. Uh, you have a international company to take care of you've given this this podcast more than enough of your time but i thank you so much mr simon this is this was a lot of fun to to kind of unpack you know that this this giant thing that everyone knows but to to peel back the layers a little bit and let people see what omaha steaks really is well thank you so much and do keep in mind that um a large percentage of uh Omaha restaurants also use Omaha steaks and feature Omaha steaks on their menu too. So if you're eating out and you're having a steak in Omaha, there's a good chance you're going to have an Omaha steak. So if you, and especially if you like it, it definitely was an Omaha steak. <laughs> yeah. If it's a bad steak, yeah, it came from somebody yeah, else. So don't else. worry about that. Absolutely, else. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Simon and Omaha as always. Thanks for eating with us. A Media Production.